I don't know if you know this, but this is actually not just lyrics to your favorite Christmas song, but it's in the Bible. If Why don't you join me over in Luke chapter 2. Do you have any real Bibles, any hard copy Bibles here today? So typical, actually. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Uh, Keith, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch you up here. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to start earlier than I thought. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is Please, that's the New Living Translation. You might be more familiar with the New King James Translation. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Do we have New King James, Keith? It's coming magically right now. There it is. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You also might be more familiar, and I think this is actually a closer translation to the original language in the NIV, uh, and it reads like this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace to those whom his favor rests. Now, I mean, if you've been around uh, Earth and North America for any length of time, you've probably heard the Christmas story, the nativity story, you know, away in a manger, little Jesus in the hay and the sheeps and the goats and all those donkeys and all those incredible things. And we've heard these stories, but I think what's incredible about this Christmas account is that it's so very actually boring and plain when you think about it. It's some people, it's a husband and wife traveling together at the holidays, so it's busy on the highways and she's riding her old donkey and it's taken a long time and of course Mary's mad at Joseph because they didn't leave on time according to their schedule and their ETA's messed up. I told you we should have got to Bethlehem sooner so we could have got a hotel husband and wife fighting on the road which just sounds like home and um, you know it's okay to laugh at church it's totally fine you just laugh at my marital woes. Uh, They're fighting about not leaving on time to get there. They get there. There's no room in any hotels. And I'm sure the look on Mary's face was priceless. Uh, The classic, I told you so, how come you're such a fool, Joseph, look. And they get to this one hotel. He's like, listen, I got no rooms, but I got a stable in the back with some horses and some donkeys. Does that sound like a great place to have a baby? I swear, it's completely sanitary. And uh, so they end up there at the exact same time while that is going down. Shepherds are guarding their flocks by night in the middle of those dark shining stars they're out there and all of a sudden one angel shows up now just one angel shows up in the bible in that account says just one shows up and they are terrified now if anyone here thinks it's seen has anyone seen an angel in the room before uh i'm sure there's probably one uh I would like to think that I also would be terrified because uh, if, if we're being honest, what I believe is actually happening in the scripture here is the first documented alien invasion. Think about this for a moment. 
we know from science that there are multiple dimensions, right? We just know this. This is just a scientific fact. There's multiple dimensions. I choose to believe that the spiritual realm exists in a different dimension than the one that we're living in right now. So what happens is <laughs> angels in a field, light, angels, one angel shows up. Shepherds are terrified because there's something hovering in the sky among them saying, don't be afraid. Now, generally when something or someone creepy comes up to you and says, don't be afraid, you should be very, very afraid. It's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I promise. No, you're going to hurt me because you just said you're not going to hurt me. So this angel is there. They're terrified. And then as if that wasn't terrifying enough, they're saying, listen, there's some good news coming and uh, you need to go see this baby. And shepherds are like manly shepherd men feel like us go to see a baby. I'm not sure about this. And then as if one wasn't scary enough, the cloud, the, the star, the sky starts popping with angels, hundreds, thousands of angels. The Bible tells us a vast army of angels. It says the armies of heaven show up in the sky. So though we might have seen some pictures with three or four angels singing in a little cluster with a tight four-piece quartet-like harmony, the actual picture is the armies of heaven, the entire army, not a troop, the army of heaven, populating a sky Glowing so bright that you could barely see, singing, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill to all men. Maybe even, they might have sang that, I don't know. Maybe that's where the melody comes from. I don't know what they were singing. But the armies of heaven break into another dimension. They storm the gates of this earth in, as I described, the first alien invasion. Except instead of saying, we come in peace, or we're not going to hurt you, or instead of saying, hey, we're here to rule because we've got the whole armies and we're going to invade, they declare that coming to you this day, a baby is born, the prince of peace. I think it's interesting that God sent the armies of heaven to declare peace on Now, this leads us to a question, a question that we've been wrestling with for thousands and thousands of years, is when is this peace coming? <laughs> the angel sang, and that's amazing. Jesus came, then he died, and then he was resurrected, and he left, but we're still trying to figure out when peace got here. <laughs> He's called the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, mighty counselor. Like, it's, it's who is, like, when is this coming? You know, you might even look around and say, man, this world seems more divided now than it has ever been before. Maybe even in your lifetime, there's people that we just, we've lost the ability to have conversations, to talk across the table, to approach different ideas, to agreeably disagree. We've come to this world and we're living in this toxic thing and you might be wondering, when is the peace coming? You might be looking at your schedule or your agenda or your phone with your calendar on it and going, when is the peace coming? When is the break coming? You might even convince yourself, wow, this is just the busy season. Then you finish your busy season and you realize you got into the busier season. You're like, when is the peace coming? When is the peace coming? Has anyone uh, started listening to the Christmas radio stations? Anyone uh, got those going on? I refuse, but uh, there's, 
There's a few of us who are good people and hold out. The rest of us are obsessed, and we listen. Now you go to the store, so you notice that you go to the store, and the music's already changed. The, the atmosphere started to change. I mean, Costco started to change like October 28th, but everything... Everything's starting to change, and, 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 and yes, it's kind of busy, but I've kind of noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but it seems like people at least try like, to be nicer during the holidays here, and you're like, I can't believe a pastor just said holidays and not Christmas. Well, okay. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> people just seem to be a little bit nicer or maybe a little bit more generous. You're like, this is the time. You're like, oh, I guess I got some things in the shelf. I could throw in the bucket for the food bank or bring a gift card for Hampers of Hope. I guess I could do that because we like this idea of giving and receiving. And we're like, oh, well, I'm going to receive way too many things that I probably don't actually need or want or like or desire. So I might as well give something to someone that hasn't doesn't have it. I just It just seems like as soon as we get closer to Christmas, though it gets more hectic, people seem a little bit more accommodating. I know that uh, if, has anyone ever got pulled over during Christmas season? Anyone get a speeding ticket during Christmas season? Did they let you off? No, it's because they're working and you're not. <laughs> you're like, please let me off. It's Christmas. He's like, exactly. And I'm standing in the cold and you're going to a turkey dinner. So enjoy this $200 gift that I'm able to write you. Uh, and slow down because the turkey's just fine and you're going to you're going to make it. But I do believe that the world's a little bit different. And I've got a, a, a theory or a reason as to why the world seems different around Christmas time. It's very simple. I believe that not only is Jesus the reason for the season, but he's the answer to the question. And I believe why the world seems and feels and acts just a little bit different at Christmas time is because I don't know if you've noticed this, but Jesus is everywhere. You go to Walmart and Jesus is there. Oh, not that one. They're singing the song that the angels were singing. Maybe. <laughs> we got to fact check that. But they're singing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. You go to the mall and you hear your schools, like maybe they've banned this by now, but you hear like Christmas carols in your children's school. And you're like, we need Jesus back in schools. Yeah, he's here. It's called Christmas. Everywhere you go, the, the place where you just go and open your wallet and they give them all the money and they give you one or two things, you're like, man, guess what? Something feels different. Why? Because the atmosphere has changed because I'm convinced that Jesus is there. Jesus, now he's, he's everywhere, but the name of Jesus is being lifted up and magnified. You're like, well, why does that change anything? changes everything because just for a moment, just for a season, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lords of Lords is recognized here. The rightful King is, is, is displayed. Even in a manger in his most lowly state, Jesus is here. Why is it the world is different? It's because Jesus is here. He's everywhere at Christmas. Jesus isn't just the reason for the season. He's the answer to the question, which means when we ask the question, where is the peace? Where's this promised peace? We just have this moment of realization where we realize that Jesus is the answer to the question, which means Jesus is peace. John 14, the words of Jesus, he says, don't, uh, I'm leaving you with a gift. You know, it's Christmas time. I'm leaving you with a gift. 
Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus says, I'm giving you a gift. It's called peace. I'm giving you this gift. In Philippians 4, we might be familiar with this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Generally, we worry about everything, (laughs) pray about anything that might come to our minds. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I think the thing that we are learning and the thing that we can understand through Jesus is that peace isn't the absence of problems or hostilities or worry. Peace is the presence of Jesus. And you're like, okay, uh, if you're a Christian, you're like, yes, praise the Lord. That's tremendous. What you really want to know, though, is how does this actually work in my life? Because it's one thing to say, yes, Jesus, the presence of Jesus is peace. But when you're in the midst of the struggle and the grind and the pain and the hardship and the difficulty, you're like, no, 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 okay, just don't go any further. Stop and tell me how Jesus is the peace. How does this work for me today? Because I am feeling it. I'm sweating it. I feel like the walls are closing in. I feel like I'm trapped and I need to understand just exactly how I access this peace. Peace on earth. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How do I access to the Prince of Peace now in my life when everything seems crazy? Well, again, Keith, I'm going to throw you for a little Loop, because we have so many paper Bibles, I'll use mine here today. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. We'll roll forward until probably 36. Pastor Seb actually mentioned this uh, a week or two ago. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So disciples are in the boat by themselves. Jesus is up praying. Meanwhile, while Jesus was praying, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves about 3 o'clock in the morning, because nothing good happens at 3 o'clock in the morning. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Now, the aside here is if you track back to Mark chapter 5, you'll understand that Jesus just cast uh, demons out of legion. And now, Thousands of demons, they think, went into a lake. So what they're assuming is that this ghost that is walking on the water is actually one of those demons coming back to get them because Jesus isn't with them. So that's why they're yelling, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, because they're like, oh man, Jesus did something crazy and now we're going to pay for it. 
That's actually what the disciples are thinking. They're thinking, great, as if a storm and wind and waves and spray and white caps wasn't enough, as if this rocky lake was not enough, if, if it wasn't enough that we're going to drown, like drown. <laughs> now there's a ghost coming to haunt us and to kill us and eat us. But if it's a ghost, it can't eat you because it's a ghost. Okay. It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. The moment they heard his voice, things felt a little better. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus is walking in the water. Peter thought a great way to test if this ghost didn't want to hurt him was to put himself in a position where he could drown instantly. So really genius level thinking here. Because clearly if it was a ghost, the ghost had his best interest in mind and would have said, no, no, stay in the boat. It's totally fine. (laughs) Jesus said, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, and then in a way that only Jesus Christ Almighty can, he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Because the only time we ever recognize God as God is generally when he bails us out of a problem that we can't get ourselves out of, generally. You really, it really works, yeah. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at uh, Genesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick at least touch the fringe of his robe. Flashback to woman with the issue of blood. Her faith changed the game. And all who touched him were healed. Now you're like, I don't understand what this has to do about Christmas. Cool. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the presence of peace. When we talk about storms in the Bible and when the disciples experience storms, uh, we can literally take those things and drop them into our lives as difficult situations, struggles, burdens. The very things that you're worrying about right now are the actual storms that you're in right now. The, 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 the fight or the struggle that you're in, though it might not be actual water in your face and you might not physically drown in it, uh, It's the same way that we can describe the way you feel right now. You might feel like you're drowning in debt. Therefore, you are in the midst of a storm and you're calling out for Jesus for help. And so in the midst of this storm, when the disciples are by themselves and Jesus is away praying, which is, by the way, exactly what's happening right now. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus in heaven, we talked about this last week, is actually interceding for us, praying for us right now while he's in heaven. He's looking at, he's praying for us. So this picture that we just read is actually the best, most accurate picture of of how we can describe our lives right now. Jesus is up and away and he's praying for us. And we're in the midst of a storm and we're struggling and we see what might look like an answer coming, but we're so used to things not going our own way. We're so used to bad things happening that the very answer that is walking towards us, we go, oh no, stay away. This can't be good. This this gotta be, this is gonna kill me. This this it's a ghost. 
But no, it's Jesus trying to get close to you in the midst of this situation because when Jesus is present, there is peace. Now notice that when Peter jumps up over the water, you know what Peter didn't care about in that moment? The storm. He didn't care about the wind. He didn't care about the waves. He didn't care about the spray on his face. All he cared about was, this is awesome. And he starts walking towards Jesus. That's all he cared about. He, he could have cared less about the disciples in the boat. All he cared was that for that moment, there was such peace and trust in his heart that he swung his leg over the boat and just started cruising across the very storm that he was terrifi- terrified of a moment ago. He th- it didn't, didn't matter because if Jesus called it forward, he's like, I'm just going to go to that guy because, you know what, he just cast 2,000 demons into this lake. So if there's anyone who's going to keep me safe from a ghost, it's Jesus. So he jumps over, and as he walks towards him, then the realization comes in. Oh, I'm walking towards Jesus. I'm walking. I'm walking to. I'm walking on water. This is not a good idea. There's wind and there's waves and there's storm. That's when it comes back. You see, you know, for many of us, we actually experience worse fear and worse worry and worse doubt after we've taken our first step towards Jesus. You're like, okay. I'm in the midst of this situation. I need to find some peace. What do I do? I go to the Prince of Peace, Jesus, the presence, Emmanuel, God with us. He came. Jesus, come be in this situation. I'm going to take a step towards you. I'm going to get into my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to work. I'm going to do all the things that I know how to do. We get on that path, and then we get like halfway down the path, and we're like, oh, this isn't working. This is a bad idea. This isn't working. This isn't working. This is Jesus. It, it often happens that our biggest fear and worry is right after we take the first few steps towards Jesus. Why? Because we're used to, or we, we're used to in this world, things happening right now in the way that we want them on time. When you go to Starbucks, you want it within two minutes. You want it to your specifications, and you want your, label, your name spelled right on the label on the cup, which is a miracle when it happens. <laughs> it's a miracle. We're used to it right now. And so in our culture today, anything that takes longer than a moment, we go, it's not working. I'm out of here. It's not working. Hold on. Aren't you literally walking on the water right now? Aren't you literally in the midst of moving towards Jesus? Haven't you already taken a step towards Jesus and haven't things already gotten better even if it's for a moment? No, you might not have reached your final destination, but can't you take a moment to recognize that things are already getting better? It might have something to do with the with the very verse that we read earlier in Philippians chapter 4 when it says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Because the moment you take a step towards Jesus, you take your 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 faith and take it out of fear. You take your faith out of worry. You take your faith and take it out of the situation that may never happen, and you put it into Jesus. And then that's when you discover the peace that surpasses all understanding. Those first three steps towards Jesus, I think, were probably the most peaceful steps that Peter has ever taken in his life. The first three steps that you and I take towards Jesus when we decide this situation, I can't fix it, I need help, I'm going to Jesus. The three most peaceful steps in our lives, we just are wondering why it seems like hell seems to break loose after we get three or four steps in. Hell seemingly breaks loose 
Because you, again, begin to focus on the storm and the problem and the hardship instead of focusing on Jesus. And then peace feels like it disappears. And yet Peter, in a natural, literal sense, reaches out and Jesus grabs a hold of him and I imagine supernaturally hucks him into the boat. What does this have to do with me? Well, a couple things. Is anyone afraid of heights? Anyone afraid of heights? I'm afraid of heights. I suck at heights. I, I don't do well at heights. I, I don't know why. I can't trace it back. I just think I like living. And so... I find myself living, but then I find myself making decisions to continue living by saying things like, I can't go over there, or I can't do that, or no, I'm not going to even put myself in that situation. Uh, you might even get offered the experience of a lifetime, like riding the uh, roller coaster at the Stratosphere in Vegas. You're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good, because there could be a mechanical failure at one time, and then I could be the only person who has ever died falling off <laughs> the roof of Stratosphere in Las Vegas, and so what you begin to discover is what Erwin McManus says, is that fear establishes the boundary of your freedom. What we fear begins to establish the boundaries of our freedom. Because we start making decisions, so, oh, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't go there, I, I, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't. And so you might be in a storm right now. You might be afraid right now. You might be nervous right now. And you might think that you found a different way that doesn't start with the letter J, Jesus Christ. You might think that you found another solution, but oftentimes those solutions are worry in their fear-based. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, I, I can't make that work. I can't make this work. So I'm going to go do this over here. And all of a sudden your fear begins to drive your every decision. Your fear begins to drive the way that you live your life. The fear begins to uh, drive who you answer the phone for. Because we live afraid and we, we instead of living free, we live afraid and we live in fear. And then we wonder where the peace is. Well, the peace is found in Jesus. Now, the Bible also talks about fear and fearing God. Has anyone heard that phrase before? That doesn't sound like a God like I want to serve. Fearing God. Except that this word fear talks about a deep reverence and an awe. The kind of fear that's more like, whoa. Wow. That kind of fear that makes you just almost come alive or stand in awe. It's the kind of fear that happens when you go to the Grand Canyon and you get a little too close to the edge. You're like, this thing is crazy. This is incredible. The kind of fear that comes when you see Niagara Falls, not that at a distance you're afraid, but when you get too close or you're on Made of the Mist and you seem to get a little too close in the boat. You're like, the power of this is overwhelming. The fear of God isn't to cause us to be afraid, except the interesting thing is the fear of God is the only fear that leads to freedom. The fear of God is the only fear.
fear that leads to freedom. Because while our fears put boundaries on the way that we live our lives, Jesus says, if you roll with me, if you walk with me, you will find peace that surpasses all understanding. And if you live with the fear of God, you will find that there is no boundary. (laughs) There is no end to the faithfulness of God. 1 John 4 says that such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. So how do we find this peace? How do we hold on to this peace? The first thing that we determine in our hearts is that I'm afraid of nothing other than Jesus. But my fear is not a trembling, terrifying fear. It's a fear that recognizes the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. How do I hold on to this peace? How do I grab a hold of this piece of peace, my slice of heaven, when heaven invades earth? Because in heaven, we know in new heaven, new earth, in Revelation 21, that God's going to come and wipe away every tear. There will be no sorrow, suffering, sin, or shame. There will be no worry. How do I get my slice of heaven here on earth? The presence of Jesus is peace. So this might seem practical. This might seem simple. When was the last time, instead of spending 35 minutes worrying about something, that you stopped yourself, got up, because sometimes we just got to get up and get out of that space, and you just focused on Jesus, and you said, Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace, instead of being consumed by this thing that's trapping me, instead of fearing my deliverance, because it looks like just like something else is going to take me out, I'm aware that that thing coming towards me is you, and when you come here, there's peace. So I'm inviting you into my house. I'm inviting you into my marriage. I'm inviting you into my relationship. I'm inviting you into my finances. I'm inviting you into my pain. I'm inviting you into my loneliness. Jesus, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in. Now, what does that look like? That's a whole other message for a whole other day. But it it looks a lot like putting Jesus first, putting Jesus above all else. Jesus, I'm going to pull you into this situation because I'm going to worship you. Like I'm not a music person. That's fine. Just say the lyrics. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. If God is for us, who could be against us? Take a moment to leave worry and doubt behind and put your trust in Jesus. It doesn't Listen, sometimes we're like, well, but my problems are all still there. Right, but now you're talking to the chief problem solver (laughs) instead of talking to yourself who's the problem maker. Right? How do I find this peace on earth? How do I get a piece of this peace? about anything. Pray about everything. And then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. Jesus. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. You are an agent of peace. Next week we're going to talk about being peacemakers. What that role that plays in goodwill towards all men. But for right now, it all starts with peace, and the person of peace is Jesus Christ. If you're in the midst of, like, craziness, insanity that you can't even figure out or explain, well, go to the person who creates the world because he knows how to get you out of your problem, your box, and your pain. You go to the healer when you're sick. How do we find peace? I actually believe you're going to find peace right here, right now. Why don't you stand